Hey friends, lovely to see you. If you're visiting us, welcome to Crimer. This is our very unique expression of Jesus Christ on the planet Earth. There are many like us and many dissimilar to us, but we're all one body, all one church, all going towards the same prize of Jesus Christ and His inheritance for us in heaven. If you are not visiting, welcome home. Good to have you back. And we've been going on a little series around the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew 5. So we're going to turn there in just a minute and we're going to continue. We're going to look at what Jesus says to us about how we deal with personal injury or personal injustice. Um, But just before we go there, um, I've been watching The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have seen The Chosen. Um, I was like a late adopter to it. If you haven't seen it, my recommendation is that you do. It's free on an app. It's pretty incredible. Um, my, my, um, my laptop is too old to play it on the laptop, so I hold it on my phone like this. Um, but it's, it's powerful. One of the most amazing things about how they portray Jesus is that when people come into contact with Him, that they know that they're known before He even arrives on the scene. And I just want to tell you that um, you are known by King Jesus. He knows you. Before you were born, He knew you. While you're in existence, He knows you. And for all of eternity, He will know you. And there's something powerful for us to know that God, Jesus, God sent Jesus for individuals. You know that, right? We want governments to change, but Jesus came after you. Why? Because it's your job to change governments. Jesus came in order that we could have a personal relationship with Him. And what we see in our ministry times is Jesus going after the one to bring healing, to bring identity, to speak purpose and to speak destiny over their lives. Listen, if you're in this place and you don't know who He is, He's been calling after you from the day that you were born. He has. There is nothing that can separate you from His love and He will keep pursuing you and pursuing you and pursuing you until you understand this, that He died on a cross to set you free. Not just me, not to like obliterate governments of oppression. He came to set you free so that you could obliterate governments of depression. Hey, just real quick, we will start, promise. Do you know God is omnipotent, which means that He's all powerful. But the perfection of power, if you've done the school, I'm going to repeat myself here. But the perfection of power is not in its consistent demonstration. The perfection of power, the perfection of being all powerful is knowing when to withhold the power so that other people can learn in their destiny and journey to become the person they're called to be. So when we understand that God is all powerful, we often think, God, will you just smoke our enemies? Or God, will you just... Um, come and sort this situation out. But listen, when the Lord steps back from the exertion of His his absolute power, it's for your benefit. Because actually He's calling you into relationship and partnership with Him and His perfect expression of omnipotence is in withholding in order that you can walk a journey of maturity to partner with Him to see the things happen in your life that you've always dreamed of. You guys all right? Praise God. Jesus came for individuals. And we're going to look in a minute in Matthew 5 about how He speaks and teaches and preaches to individuals on the Sermon on the Mount. 
But first, I'm going to pray. Is that right of you guys? We're Christians. Amen. Jesus, thank you that you see us. Holy Spirit, you're invited into this place, not because we somehow get to give you permission to move, but because we want you here in more and more of your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that your revelation fills this room and that you speak to hearts and minds for your kingdom's sake and for Jesus' sake. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, turn in your Bibles, Matthew 5, 38 to 48. We're gonna stand as we read this, so stand with me. This is verse 38. By the way, if you don't have a paper copy Bible, get one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks of you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to geek out just a little bit at the beginning while we've got your attention, and then we can go into the fun stuff a bit later. But listen, one of the things about this passage of Scripture is we need to understand the context in which it's spoken. Otherwise, we will lose some of the meaning that is really important for us to grasp what Jesus is saying here. So Jesus here is speaking about a rule of law, um, a philosophical law actually, as well as a moral law called lex talionis, Latin word that basically means the law of retribution, the law of revenge. That's what it means. And basically every single um, Jew, every single uh, person who is involved in any of those Mesopotamian or near or Middle Eastern cultures would understand that this law of retribution is how you enact justice on the basis of someone doing an injustice against you. Jesus is also speaking specifically here by quoting Exodus 21, which is about personal injury. So it's not about the state or the government or anybody else's responsibility to undo justice. That's not what we're talking about here. You can hold tight your political opinions and everything else. We're not addressing any of those right now. What we're doing is, is that we are looking at what Jesus says about how you respond and me, how I respond to personal injury done against us. So this is, by the way, just let me tell you something. Jesus transcends politics. Full stop. He comes above and beyond any structure that any man has ever put in place or woman, just so you know. Jesus is not speaking politically here. He's a political nightmare, but he's not speaking politically. He is speaking to you. I need to tell you something real quick. He's way more concerned about your response than he is about anybody else. He's way more concerned about your response to things in your life that hurt, minimise or damage you than he is about anybody else's responsibility to make you better. 
If that's offensive, I'm super sorry, but it's completely true. He came for you. He came to give you strength. He came to bolster your immune system against injustice done against you so that you could stand in His presence as holy and set apart. That's why He came. I'm gonna give you three examples of that in just a minute. But we need to understand that when Jesus is speaking from Matthew 5 here, He is speaking to me and He's speaking to you. It's also one of the most offensive things he ever said, ever. It offended me because of my left-leaning liberal mindset that I used to have. <clears throat> it offended me because as a social worker, I believe it's my responsibility to stand up for the injustice of someone else. And actually that's probably true, but this isn't what we're talking about here. Jesus is saying, no matter what your circumstance or situation in which you are living, can you respond as he responded? That is what he's asking us to do here. And so this eye for an eye principle was so ingrained, it was deeply part of the culture. And so you need to understand that as he's speaking this sermon to thousands of people, all of them would have gone, what? All of them. Even his disciples. Because what he's speaking here is he's talking about the right fulfilment of the enactment of justice for your life and how you respond to it. Every single person had been brought up with the understanding that if an eye was taken from me, I get to take an eye. Jesus says this, if an eye is taken from you, lay your life down again. That's what he says. And I'm gonna give you those examples just now. But the biggest thing that I wanna get across today is that the rhetoric in which Jesus speaks says this. He says this, do not come against injustice with the same heart and the same spirit as it carries. Do not come with your anger or revenge or your retribution as was done to you. Instead, lay your life down in sacrifice and that will stop the cycle. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he uses three very specific examples. The first is this. If you're slapped by a brother or sister on your right cheek, turn the other cheek also. That's important because in Jewish culture, if you were slapped on your right cheek, the person who was slapping you would have done it with their right hand. And so they would have hit you with the back of their hand. Making sense? So right hand, back of the hand to the right cheek. That isn't just physical assault and injustice done against you. That is the ultimate sign of disrespect in that culture. The ultimate sign of disrespect. And what does Jesus say? Turn them the other cheek as well. Why? To be a doormat? To encourage physical assault on yourself? No. It is because in turning the other cheek, you exhibit a different sort of resistance to the injustice done against you. You exhibit the different sort of resistance that will break the cycle of injustice forever. Hey guys, I tried really hard, right, to be like a three-point preacher. It's just, I just am not very good at it. My brain's like a firework, so um, I'm trying to like keep it. If some, people, some people's brain are like steam engines. They just go to where they want to go. I'm like, my brain goes, so bear with me as we do this. But Jesus is really clear. You're not a doormat. You're to resist evil. But don't do it in the same spirit as the evil that was done to you. Resist it 
by exposing it for what it is, by laying your life down. Why? Because actually, if you wanna stop injustice in your life and you wanna stop personal ill will or personal hurt, being, an, being a, a, a definition of your life, the way that you do it is by laying down your right to your justice. That's how you do that. We live in a world obsessed with rights. We have one right in Christianity, death, nothing else. Everything else is a gift of the King. By the way, Jesus hates injustice. He hates it. He died on the cross to kill it. He never invalidates and never undermines our personal experience. He never minimises the emotional pain that comes with something that's done to us. But He still calls us to a higher standard of living that sets us apart from everybody else and breaks the cycle of injustice. I just wanna tell you as well that in this scripture, Jesus is laying responsibility at the feet of the person who has received the injustice to break the cycle, not the person that committed it. Friends, this is the most offensive thing that I've ever heard in my life. Jesus is saying, you don't get to enact your own justice. I will do that. You get to lay down your life, even for the one who committed an injustice against you. And friends, this is the only coherent narrative that will end injustice of any kind. When I was at school, I grew up with this guy, Sam, six foot five, massive dude, right? Southend's an interesting place to be. He used to work on the doors of clubs. Um, he used to DJ as well there. And one day I was just chatting to him on the door of his club and uh, he, he got smacked in the face by this little dude with small man syndrome and he was bang across his face. And my mate Sam, he just stood there and went, don't do that again. And it broke it. And this is what Jesus is saying here. This is what he's saying. Instead of engaging in a fist fight with the same spirit and same strength that was done to you, step back, stare at injustice in the face and overcome it. Don't be defined by it. And there's something so powerful for us to know that as we understand Jesus' words here, we realise it's the greatest freedom that we don't have to consistently fight our own battles, but we can lay them at His feet. Remember, Jesus here is not talking about governmental authority responsibility. He's talking about your responsibility and your response. And the second way that he, the example that he uses is this. We've gone from being physically assaulted to the second example, which is where you're caught in a legal battle and just saying, so you know, I haven't got time to go into the depth of the history here, but Jesus is speaking to poor people here. So the idea that your brother takes you to court for your tunic is actually a sign of major disrespect and also a, an attempt to undo your dignity. That's what that meant in that culture. What does Jesus say? Don't fight the tunic being taken. Instead, give your cloak as well. Just so you guys know, by him saying that, his audience would have known that he was advocating being naked in court. Because when you take your outer garment off and you have no inner garment, you're just in your underwear. Why? Because as someone tries to rob you of your dignity on an individual level, you have a choice. You can try and fight with the same spirit, the same sense of injustice as they have fought against you. Or you can say, my dignity is found in Jesus Christ and I don't care how I look to you. 
it also exposes the evil for what it really is. If everybody sees that you are in a place of resisting evil from a place of vulnerability and self-sacrifice, everybody will know that this person is enacting evil towards you and you will be exonerated. This is not Jesus saying, be a doormat. This is Jesus saying, resist, but resist as the kingdom does. He uses an example or uses a phrase in the first part of this book, uh, of this chapter that says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. There's only, other one, uh, only one other place that that's used in the Bible, that term evil person. And what happens is, is that it's found in 1 John 5 and it actually is translated as the evil one. In other words, the devil. And so what we have here is Jesus teaching us how to um, resist the devil how to resist the spirit of injustice, how to resist the spirit of evil. Friends, just so you know, your brother is not your enemy. Flesh and blood is not your enemy. Your sister is not your enemy. The enemy is your enemy. You do, Paul's clear, you don't do battle against flesh and blood. You do battle against the powers and principalities that actually people give permission to work through their life. So when you're resisting evil, you don't go at the tangible thing in front of you, you go at the um, intangible thing behind, the spirit behind how someone is acting. That's how you break it. We have intercessors in this place that constantly pray, not against mankind, but pray against the spirits of the air that look to derail and derobe Christians. It's important we understand that as we think about someone taking us to court or slapping us across the face, they are not the enemy. The system they represent is not the enemy. The devil is. And we work against him by living our lives in subjugation to Jesus Christ. And the third thing is this. The third example Jesus gives is this. He's gone from physical assault to legal proceedings and then he goes to what happens if a ruling authority oppresses you. So he gives the example about if you walk one mile with someone who forces you to go, then walk another one as well. That's where our term walk the extra mile, go the extra mile comes from. This Bible, the Bible permeates our entire culture, by the way. Every, many, many phrases that we have uh, from, from the Bible. Um, but to be honest, um, one of the big things here is that it's Roman soldiers who are asked to take or asked um, by their law to get someone who they oppress or who they have oppression over to carry their backpack for a mile. That's the meaning of this. So it is an enforcement of an oppressing power over the people that they oppress to carry their bag and walk a mile so they don't have to. And Jesus says this, don't begrudge, don't walk just one, but walk two. Why? Because you're resisting the temptation to fight in the same spirit. Instead, you're actually exposing the evil for what it is and you're making actually in that context the Roman soldier do something illegal, which is take you two miles, not one. This is resistance. This is resisting the evil one. It just looks very different to how the Jews thought it was gonna happen and how in our culture we think it's gonna happen. It looks like laying your life down. Did you know that the Jews really believed that the Messiah was gonna come riding on a white horse with an army behind him to obliterate his enemies? And he did. Just the way that you obliterate your enemies is by loving them to death. The Jews were desperate to see 
a Messiah come who would remove oppression. And the Messiah that came said, this is how you deal with the inevitable impression, oppression. There's something so powerful for us to recognise here is that Jesus came so that we could be equipped to be the ones that saw injustice come to an end. That's why He came. And by saying it's someone else's responsibility to deal with injustice, we minimise our role on earth. Friends, I need to tell you something. No one can make you feel a certain way. Anybody ever said that? You made me feel like that. You made me do that. I say it regularly to Jess. <laughs> you made me feel, and she says this every time. Why you give me all your power? I can't make you feel anything. I can't make you do anything. You did it because you responded. I'm like, man, she's so much wiser than me, you know? I'm like, I'm the philosopher of the two of us, but she just speaks truth, right? I've got to tell you something, philosophy ain't always true, I can tell you that much. But Jess speaks the truth. Jess and Savannah, my daughter, they're exactly the same kettle of fish. Savannah cannot not say the truth. So when she comes home, when she comes home from school, what she does, she's just started school, she's in year one, no reception. She comes home and she says, this person was mean to her, or this teacher was very firm, or she'll even confess sin to us, which is, and I drew on my shirt. And here it is, look. She can't, she physically cannot hide. She can't do it. I'm like, if I did that when I came home from seeing my parents, I'm like, hey, mum. But she cannot stop telling the truth. Like there's this thing about Jess and Savannah that, that, that just tumbles out of their mouth. Did you know that Jesus does the same thing? Truth tumbles out of his mouth. The question is, how are you going to respond to the truth that he speaks? What Messiah are you looking for? What Saviour are you looking for? One that rescues you from injustice or one that equips you to pursue the detrimental obliteration of injustice? Which one are you looking for? We need to understand that Jesus calls us out. He calls us as individuals to walk with him and the last thing I'm going to say is this. To walk out this sense of laying down your life to stop the cycle of injustice, in my head is like a circuit board. I'm not a scientist. I did soldering in like year eight or something, you know. But what I know about circuit boards is that there is a continuous stream of current running through the wires. And the only way you can stop it is by one, turning the power off. You haven't got power over any individual to turn their power off, just so you know. The state does, and God does, but you don't. So your option is this. Be the circuit breaker that breaks the current. Absorb the electricity and be the circuit breaker that breaks the current. That's the call on your life. That is what this scripture is all about. And as we break the current, as we are the people that no matter whether the injustice was done against us or not, if we break the current, then we are the ones who stand to build a cycle of the kingdom, not a cycle of anything else built by man. Friends, Jesus lays the responsibility to break the cycle at the feet of those who have been, had an injustice done against them. Why? Because you have a response in the moment to respond and do the same thing or step back and be the circuit breaker and turn the other cheek. 
Step back and be the circuit breaker who walks the extra mile. Step back and be the circuit breaker who gives also their cloak. And aren't you pumped that we have Holy Spirit in our lives to help us do that? Listen, we're all called to cleanse the leper, raise the dead, heal the sick and cast out demons. We think that's the supernatural bit. This is just as supernatural as anything. This ability to walk a journey and be a circuit breaker in our lives to minimise the cycles of pain and injustice, that requires us to be supernaturally empowered by Holy Spirit in order that we can be representatives of his kingdom, not a kingdom or culture of the earth. I'm done, will you stand?